Hey, what's up, everybody? Today we are thrilled to have a conversation with Tony Thomas, a long timer around here at Cedar Valley. I am so looking forward to this conversation and taking a closer look into his life, learning how he's overcome significant challenges and how he lives his life in victory every day. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My name is Amos J. Olivares, and I, too, am a proud Cedar Valleyan. I serve as an executive pastor here, and I am your host. This is episode number 11 of our Lean Into the Messy conversational podcast. Whether Cedar Valley is your home church or not, maybe you don't even go to church and somebody turns you on to the podcast. I'm so glad you are listening. I really, really am. You can expect this podcast to be honest, to be fun, because we can all use a laugh and provide godly perspective on the messy of life. Everybody's got a little messy in their life, and nobody wants to talk about it. Around here, we think it's good to talk about it. There is healing that comes from just talking about your messy, laughing about it, crying through it. Sadly, some people bring messy into our lives by the decisions that they make, to hurt us or harm us in all kinds of different ways. And sometimes messy just comes our way totally uninvited. And if we're really honest, oftentimes we create our own messy. So are you ready? Let's lean into the messy. Today I'm here again with Tony Thomas. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, my brother. It is a joy to have you sitting in our studio this morning. I am so thrilled to take a closer look into your life. You want to lift the hood of Tony Thomas? I want to lift the hood. So just a little context for Tony Thomas and myself. Uh, Tony Thomas was serving as business administrator here at Cedar Valley when my wife and I moved to Cedar Valley. And so Tony Tony and I, our relationship began uh, professionally uh, as you you were one of my bosses. And you kind of brought my family to Cedar Valley, and you played a real pivotal role in making my family feel like we belonged here, like this was our new home. You accommodated us, and uh, you really helped us kind of settle in here at Cedar Valley. So I just want to say thank you um, for doing that for our family. No, thank you. You honor me by saying that. Um, And and then you left. You retired. (laughs) (laughs) You drove me out. Yeah, you, you showed up, and then a year later you... You uh, said it was time time for you to go and retire, so... It was already in the plans. You yep. had nothing to do with that, and and I just couldn't share it at the time. Yeah, well, we miss you around here, um, but we get to see you all the time, because as you've retired, you have remained a huge part of this church. I mean, you, you volunteer in, in, in a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. Most recently, you did a lot of the woodwork, if not all the woodwork, in our new... Uh, the deck space, the our deck. student center. Yeah, yeah. You did a lot of that woodwork. So tell us a little bit about what retirement's like for you. Projects you've gotten yourself into. What kind of trouble are you getting into these days? Well, um, you know, I fix things and I know stuff. Yeah. So yeah, and you do it well. It's about what I do. Um, the deck was a labor of love. So uh, uh, about 15 years ago, I got into woodworking purely as an amateur. 
couldn't cut a straight line. Um, I've gotten better. It's a hobby that, that I've enjoyed. But in preparation for a time when I was going to fade away from my professional life, I had to think about what things would bring me purpose, yeah. what things would bring other people joy. Uh, woodworking's part of that, but only a part of it. I, um, um, I, I have kind of thrown myself into other volunteering. I'm not only a volunteer here, so I'm part of the welcome team. I'm one of the co co-coordinators of that team. Mm-hmm. Um, I work on the benevolence team. I do some financial counseling with younger people. Uh, so I have my ministries through the church, but I also serve on the board of ICCM. I'm getting more involved on the financial team at ICCM. I'm part of the strategic planning team there. So uh, inner city ministries is a big part of, of what I'm doing. And, um, and the rest of it is finding ways that I can help uh, people who need help. Yeah. Sometimes it's being a plumber. Sometimes it's being a woodworker. Yep. And wherever I can fit in and and do service, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And uh, that's true. I know that you've been over to my place, and we've, well, I wouldn't say we've, you have helped unclog some of the messiest. We've got our hands dirty before. (laughs) into the messiest parts of my home for sure. Uh, and then your wife, Audrey, um, who also is just as active in the community and here at our church. She plays a pivotal piece in our cultivate conference. Um, she's also volunteering in all those areas and you also are group leaders. Yep. So you have a group of people from our church who kind of are guided by you all and your house is, uh, full once a week with them coming over and all that. So, man, you guys are really invested in the ministry here at Cedar Valley. That's right. It's been 30 yeah, years here. 30 years. Yeah. Wow. Tell everybody uh, who's listening a little bit about you and Audrey, how long you guys have been married, where that whole uh, relationship started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1986, um, we got married. Uh, for a couple years before that, I worked at a magazine called Successful Farming Magazine. She was working there. It was an office romance back when you could have office romances. And um, uh, fell in love, got married, lived in Des Moines. Um, we had kids right away. So uh, within uh, with the very next year, my daughter Maggie was born. And um, uh, it was at that time that I changed careers. I was in publishing. Then I went into marketing, and I became really involved in incentive ma- marketing, uh, loyalty marketing, those kinds of things, and went to work for Carlson Companies, which eventually uh, got me up here. So um, early on, your professional career started in Iowa, and then what brought you to Minnesota? And tell us a little bit about your professional career. You know. Yeah passions in the workplace, things like that? Well, for almost 35 years, I was a traveling salesman. And many of the jobs that I had, I would leave on a Monday morning and get home on a Friday night. Uh, So for my wife, having two small kids, she was, for a good part of our married life in the beginning, she was a single mom. I was away, and, uh, and she ran things. So uh, the organized Audrey in her really came out during mm. those times. 
but it put a lot of stress on our marriage. It put a lot of stress on me as a father because when you're in a profession that you're trying, that I had ambition, I tried to rise uh, in the company. When I went to work for Carlson Companies, I became one of the youngest vice presidents and partly because of the sacrifices that my family had to make. Not only that I was away all during the week, but during that time um, I was tapped as a successor successor um, in the management track at Carlson, and there was pressure for me to go in on Saturdays and work with the VPs, uh, the regional director, and the, and the district director. And it was a time for me to spend time with my two biggest bosses, spend one-on-one time. And I was compelled to do that because I wanted to rise. But the toll that it took on my family, not only um, making trade-offs as a husband, but also making trade-offs as a father. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. I made a lot of trade-offs. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, if you're willing, we'll definitely look uh, into some of those trade-offs because I think one of the things that we're really aware of is with our listeners, there are people who have, who are currently living like in the place you were in 30 years ago yeah. and, and they're feeling the tension of the trade-offs that they're making right now. That's right. And maybe one thing that we can do to help them is to give them insight as to 30 years later, here's how I view those trade-offs and here's what I would do differently or here's the price that I had to pay because young people, you know, I'm, I'm 40 years old, so I'm at that age where you were kind of thriving and I feel, even within myself, I feel um, a passion to further develop. There's a hunger in me. People my age, which our church is filled with that that 40-year-old, you know, give or take, five years either way but we're young we're still trying to establish ourselves we need to provide for our family the economy today causes you to have to um, do as much as you possibly can to earn as much as you can so that you can take care of your family and provide those memories and you know make sure they have a place to live and and it's expensive right and so but you know as dads and and in even moms there is a drive in us to like you know we can't slow down retirement's so far away right you know, and so I think that perspective perspective is going to really help us. Um, but before we get to that, you tell us a little bit about your kids. Tell us about some of the joys you have right now when it comes to family. Yeah. You know, what are the things that you just like when this is about to happen? Tony Thomas turns into yeah. just the most joyful person on earth. What are those moments for you? I'm happy to talk about that. So I have a I have a, a daughter who is 30. Sorry, Mags. 36. She's uh, married, lives with her husband in South Minneapolis, and has four kids. And my son is 33, married, and um, he has three kids, and they live in, in Prior Lake. So, I, so Grandpa sits in the middle of seven grandchildren, and um, um, I use this phrase when they, when, when they come to see us for Easter and Thanksgiving and, and other events um, and my house is filled, uh, I just say, I'm happiest when I'm in the bosom of my family. Yeah. 
and uh, that's a joyful, joyful time for me. Uh, both my kids are serving the Lord. Um, both my kids married well, and they're raising uh, wonderful children. And, and my oldest grandson is, ju is just 10 years old, so Grandpa's still cool. Oh, yeah. It's kind of yeah. nice. I know yeah. it won't last, but Grandpa's still but cool. But in the meantime, you're going to just soak that all up. It's so great. So, so great. So they say, grandparents say, my dad's a grandpa. He says it all the time. There's a love that you have for your children, but there's a different kind of love you have for your grandchildren. I would agree How with that. How true is that? I would agree with that. Tell me some of the differences when it comes to Jake and Maggie as children and then your grandchildren. Like, What are some of the just differences? Well, the... The, do you remember when? Do you remember when AJ was born? And those first several months, you you looked at that little boy and you thought, I can't love anything more than I love this baby. Oh yeah. And that feeling that you got, that overwhelming feeling that you got. Well, as the years go on, that that feeling changes. Well, when grandchildren come along, that old feeling comes back. That's a good way to put but it. But what's great about it is. I don't have any of the responsibility to raise good Americans and good citizens and good followers of Christ. Um, I'm just grandpa. Yep. So I can, I can be the yes man. I don't have to be the no man. All day long. It's so great. And then you just send them on their way. That's right. Yep. That's fantastic. And it is true, man. I, I remember when my kids were born, what a, man, what a joy, right? What Especially joy. when the first one comes, it's like, yeah. I have arrived. Yeah. We all dream right. of being a dad. That's right. And when it happens, it's unbelievable. And it all, all right. comes back. Yeah. Tell me quickly some of the positions you've held over the lifespan of your career landing at Cedar Valley. Sure. I started out um, uh, in sales, and sales is a great way to move up through the management chain because you can make you can make a significant impact in companies. Um, when I was just in my early 30s, uh, I sold a $23 million program uh, in the long distance space. I, I sold a loyalty program to Sprint, uh, which rocketed my career at Carlson Companies. Um, I started making significant dollars. I moved up in the organization. Um, but I'm wired, I'm, I'm uh, I'm a startup guy, and it's it, which made it, made it ideal for sales. I would throw myself into every opportunity, but once the sale was made, I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Yep. It was time to move on to the yeah, next new challenge. challenge. Yep. Yeah. So I did change jobs often, and uh, I would uh, I would master a certain job, and if I wasn't moving on rapidly enough, I would move on. So I left Carlson, went to work, uh, eventually became general manager of a of a smaller incentive company. Uh, moved on, um, did the same thing. So I was in middle management for, for many years. And, um, um, but there came a time when th the trade-offs that we spoke of earlier became too intense. I was, I was not being the husband that I should have been. I was not being the father that I should have been. And I realized that this drive to to run a company, the sacrifices were too great. I knew presidents, I worked with presidents of organizations, and they were lousy at their home life. They sacrificed everything in the pursuit of their ambition, and I wasn't, 
I wasn't willing to make that trade. So I, I went to, I went to the, the owner of the company in, in, in the 90s, and I said, um, I want to go back into sales. I don't, uh, don't want to be the GM anymore. And it was at that moment that I was kind of beginning to realize where my priorities really lied, where it really lay, and um, I started to make changes. And then um, I spent four years working with Audrey to help her business get off the ground, which was completely fulfilling. Um, but we had become acclimated to a certain income level, and um, 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 so I went back to work. And then I was hugely successful at a company called BI Worldwide, got a, got a large loyalty program launched there. Um, and I knew that we had made enough income, we had put enough money away for retirement, and it was time to start thinking about what was I going to do for the rest of my life. And Christian ministry was always in my mind. And um, I said, said to Audrey, I think we need to take the next year, put a, save as much money as we possibly can. I'm 55 years old. This isn't going to be easy, but I want to transition into ministry work. And so for the next 10 months, I, I started, I quit my job at BI. I didn't want to sit there and send out resumes while I was getting a paycheck. That wasn't, that wasn't integrity. And so for the next 10 months, I was looking for jobs, and I kept getting close. I, I would be the number two candidate. I was, I was close to getting a position with Teen Challenge. I was close to getting a position with other, other nonprofits and ministries, and it, it just wasn't coming, and I was so frustrated. And I said, God, I know that you are leading me into this. There's a calling on my life. What the heck is going on? And then Roger Lane retires as business administrator. And um, Jerry Strandquist said, I'd like you to step in as interim, uh, which, and then Jerry retired, and eventually that, that became my full-time position. When Neil became pastor, uh, I was offered the job. I was actually offered the job by the board. Yeah. And it was a fulfillment of not only where my strengths lie, because I was kind of a generalist, manager, I was disagreeable, I was, I was all these things that you should have for a business administrator in my home church, which I loved, which I sacrificed for all yeah. those years, mm -hmm. and it was a dream come true, and it really was a dream job for almost seven years, six and a half years. Crazy. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously, Neil has told this time and time again that that partnership from his beginning was critical for him. For both of us. For both of us. It, it was like you guys kind of learned it together, side by side. What a journey. Yeah, yeah. it really was. Yeah, and you guys are obviously really great friends as a result of that. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. All right, so let's lean in a little bit to some of these trade-offs because I think that's really the bullseye of this podcast, as, and you're a frequent listener, is to, like, let's expose a few things that others will really benefit from. Yeah. And and some of those trade-offs were things that you look back and say, yeah, th it was a trade-off and it was something that was necessary. But I'm I'm certain that there were trade-offs where you look back and say, I you know, I it was a trap. I gave into that. Yeah. And the the cost 
was way more than I ever wanted to pay. Took me, it, it, I almost lost, um, you know, I know, I know that, you know, some of these things potentially you could have lost your marriage. You could have lost your family. You, you could have lost your salvation. Like talk about some of the trade-offs that you look back now with all your wisdom and like, and consider the 40 year old man who's out there grinding away right now. Right. Or, or the or the single mom who's just grinding away, right. and it's so easy to get lost in that. And then talk, you know, talk about some of those trade offs where you would say, "Here's where I, man. Here's where they went wrong for me." Right, right. My life um, uh, was a series of chasing after things I thought would bring me first pleasure, because because I used to do drinking and drugging for ten years of my life. I was a hopeless alcoholic and drug addict, but married a good woman that helped me realize that that was, that was going nowhere. I would destroy my marriage. I would destroy my life eventually by doing that. Uh, so, so I quit all of that. Then I threw myself into this career, and I was ambitious, and I thought I could rise to the top of this, of Kurt Carlson's $3 billion empire. And... Um, uh, and so I pursued that. Um, but y- you have to come to a point where w- what's going to bring you God-honoring, God-honoring fulfillment in your life. And, and I quickly realized that a career managing dozens of people making high incomes wasn't going to bring me fulfillment. What was going to bring me fulfillment? Having a stable marriage, having the love of a woman that I loved as well, that, that she brought out the best in me and I bring out the best in her. Raising children that, that, that are unique individuals and have character and boundaries and the only way that you can do that is by spending time. There were just all of those moments that I was missing, you can never get back. Those teachable moments come along when you least expect them. And, uh, and it was that time when I started to pull back and say, you know what, this isn't worth it. Yeah, the money is okay, but, but it wasn't enough. So, uh, so in the 90s, I... I, I made this shift. I got out of the management track, went back into sales. I still liked the income. We still liked the lifestyle. Um, but I was around uh, my kids more often. I was around my wife more often. And then to help my wife realize her dream, I thought, I'm going to go to work for her. And for, for three years, we had no income, zero income. Uh, that's not true. I paid myself $10,000 a year. Wow. So, uh, but she was able to, she, in that period of time, she wrote four books. She became, she, she became a nationally recognized speaker. Um, she grew in, in respect and authority in her field. Um, and, th- and the whole time, um, at 3.30 when my son came home, I was there. Yeah. And he would come in and he would sit down and he would talk. And... And my daughter and I had deep, deep conversations, and and I was able to speak into their lives. Not only that, they were speaking into my life, yeah. and they were giving me purpose and fulfillment. Tell me about a time when, 
as you recall, back into the middle of of your busiest, most ambitious moments in your career where your wife had to sit you down and tell you this, that is, I've had it. That is, I, I cannot do this anymore. Was there ever a moment like that where you yeah. just drove away thinking, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it got this bad. Yeah. We talked about this this morning. There wasn't a single moment, but there was a phrase that she would use um, that resonated with me. And she said, I don't care if you're a ditch digger as long as you're a good husband and a good father. And so, you know, in the pursuit of my career, there were, you, you can't win because if you choose your customer, your family sacrifices. If you choose your family, your customer sacrifices. And there were all, constantly all those trades and you're stuck in the middle. No decision that you make is going to be right for everyone. And there was enough of those that piled up for me to realize what's really important and what's going to be important 50 years from now is going to be my family. It doesn't matter that the president of Napa uh, is not happy with me because I didn't go to the national sales meeting or because my client at Sprint uh, didn't like that I I worked the entire weekend to to do this presentation. It, it, none of those things matter in the long run, but when I'm in the bosom of my family, I realize that I made the I made the proper decision yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah, and I I can feel the tension for sure. Obviously, I work at a church, so it's, it's a little bit different, but I still feel the tension. Twenty four hours of a day, telling my family no so that I can say yes to somebody else. That's right. There's a man, there's just this deep, guilty feeling that you have that you can't even go and do what you're gonna do with that family the right way because you have this feeling, this burden on your shoulders of like I am choosing this over my family and I you know, and like why did I do that or but I need to or it's it's pressing and this is important too or you know what I mean? You just That's have right. all these mind games. That's right. But I feel the pressure and I know that there you know, I know that people listening at home right now or wherever they are, I think what they can um, identify with is like that tension that you, that you talk about is where's the balance of having to do the things that you want to do or need to do or feel like you need to do for the sake of doing well at work or moving up or earning more money or whatever is tied with that. And having the discipline to say like, no, I'm not going to do that because my family, the time spent at home is really important or the time spent with my, with my wife is really important or, 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 or or whoever, you know, but that tension I think is, is so real. It's always there too. Um, uh, it, it isn't always the man, but most often the, the man is the main breadwinner. So there's always that pressure for you to provide for your family, so you're always going to have it. Um, and I don't have an easy answer for you. All I know is that it's a moment to moment, it's a situation to situation, and you know it when you screw up. You know when you made the wrong decision. You went to that conference when you knew you shouldn't. You, you, you made another trade-off when you knew you shouldn't. So I think it was, for me, I'm a slow learner. 
it, I screwed up too many times. Time after time, I said, you know, and, and each time there was an adjustment. Each time there was, a, I could have made a better decision here. And, um, and fortunately, I came out the other side. I did raise good kids. I do have a strong, stable marriage to a woman that I deeply love and who loves me back. So, yeah, I screwed up, but God's grace. I got it right good enough times. Yeah, that and it's and okay. ultimately, God's grace. God's grace. God's grace. I mean, I mean, God's God's grace um, for sure. And That's so, right. okay, so let's as we wrap this thing up. Let's say we're sitting at this table and that empty chair we have right here in front of us. Let's say somebody, one of our listeners comes and sits here and says, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll open the hood to my life and I'll tell you, Tony, I'll tell you the truth in my life, Tony, is that I've got five kids, four kids, um, and I've got a wife and I need to make enough money to take care of my family. I want to raise my kids. I want them to have a home. I want them to have vacations. I want them to create memories and um and that's a pressure i feel every day mm-hmm. that's why i wake up early i grind um I, I i take every opportunity that i'm given at at the workplace because mm-hmm. i i know that i have to be in the right places have the conversations with the right people and and believe me i'd be lying if i said i don't have that tension of feeling man i wish i could be home right now my kids are home they're playing in the backyard my wife is probably cooking cleaning helping with the homework i'm not home yet i won't get home until it's dark but in my mind, it's worth it because I've got to get us out of this hole. I've got to get us. I got to move us up. I've got to, you know, I feel the pressure of that. And and, uh, and let's say that that person was sitting here right now. What would you, what would you say to that to that to that young man? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for me, I was fortunate to have uh, really great mentors in my life, and um, uh, first and foremost, my wife. So having an open open relationship with my wife being able to talk about the deep things to say how did here's the situation i know i hurt you help me understand what could i have done different and so pull your pull your spouse into that discussion um uh, second of all go seek godly counsel go talk to go talk to men who uh, who are getting it right and 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 talk to them about these issues, talk to them about, and ask for advice. First of all, there's nothing that warms a man's heart more than, than, than a peer coming to them saying, I need your advice on something. So you honor them, and in turn, uh, God will honor you with the, with the advice uh, and the counsel that you'll get. Um, but th- but I, I have no easy answer for that. Um, look at your own life. You, the the trades you make um, are even deeper than the trades I made. I was t- I'm talking about customer service. You're talking about people's lives. You're a pastor. You're called to shepherd the flock. So the trades you make have an even even deeper impact because you have people's you have people's um, eternity on your mind. So. So, and I felt it too. When I was business administrator, there were always trades. You know, I probably worked with over a hundred individuals and families, um, some of the poorest and neediest people in the church, and there were sacrifices that we had to make. But my wife, bless her, 
she partnered with me in so many times. Yeah. I'd call her up at three o'clock and I'd say, uh, we have a single mom. Uh, I, I need you to come with me. We have to go talk with her yeah. and, and talk her off the ledge and figure out how we can get their family yeah. off of zero and get them moving forward again. And, and yeah. so. No, we both definitely share <coughs> in, in having a heavy heart for those who are especially having difficult times. There's no doubt that the um, world we live in today is so fast paced. There is so much comparison. There are so many unwritten expectations on young families and burdens that dads and moms, single moms, grandparents raising children that they have to ensure that their kids have a better life than they ever had. There's this, there's for sure all those pressures are real, but the, the heavy heart is for those who are caught in this tension of where do I draw the line? Where do I draw the line? Because I want to be with my family. I want to spend time with my family. I want to spend time with my kids and I need to provide for them. And so I just, I'm thinking about them right now. I'm thinking about the tension that they live in. And the, the thing that I want you to think about when you turn this podcast off is just to consider the trade-offs and to just ask the honest question, um, is, are these trade-offs worth it? Like, am I making decisions that I think are really the right decisions for my family or am I giving into the pressures from the workplace or from my coworkers or, you know, it's not just the conference. You know, you talked about going to a conference when you should be home. Um, but sometimes it's going from work to the restaurant with the coworkers to just have an hour of like fun and, you know, like just to get your mind off of things or, or going, it's playing golf when you should be home or it's, or it's not just one softball team, but three softball teams, or it's not just, you know, doing one project, it's doing three projects. It's like, what can you scale back? What, what trade-off can you say, you know what, I'm not going to make that trade-off yeah. so that I can have a little bit more time with my mom or with yeah. my aging dad or with my children or with my grandchildren. Like, just consider the trade-offs. Yeah. Look at them each and just be like, okay, where can I peel back? so that I can kind of find a little bit more balance in my life. I think that's well put. You don't have to dramatically alter the trajectory of your professional career to be a better husband and to be a better father. What you can do, I look at my son, he's got this, I mean, he's working on it, but he, to me, he's got it, he's got it figured out. He, he figures out ways to make sure that he has time with his wife in the evening. Um, he did come off the road to be a better husband and a better father, but he, go, he goes to work early, so he's got time to spend with the kids before they go to bed. I mean, there are things and adjustments that you can make to your life that aren't dramatic to your career shift, but make a huge impact. And the second thing I would say is have a kingdom mindset. Yeah, that's good. Know that w- what, what we do here it's, it's a blip. It's nothing. How, how far we rise in the corporate ladder makes no difference compared to did we set our kids on the right path and will we be with them in glory yeah. when the time comes? That's great. Well said. And so I think, okay, so you're, is it a career change? That could be for you. I, I need to make a career change because this career is going gonna, is gonna to take me places I don't want to be. Right. Maybe it's peeling back on the hobbies. Maybe right. it's like, okay, I got too many of these things. Uh, maybe it's the time spent with, with people 
um, maybe you got to peel back on whatever it is. I just, I think what, what I'm going to ask is, Hey, let's consider our trade-offs. Yeah. Let's think about where we're spending our time, how we're spending our time, how we're going about our life, considering the priorities that you mentioned, Tony, what matters most kingdom mindset, right? God, family, like God first family, second career after that, right? Sure. Income after that, but God first family, second, um, and our hearts are heavy for those of you who are really struggling Amen. with that tension. Um, but Tony, you've encouraged us today. I think you've helped us realize to consider the trade-offs. Yeah. Some of them are going to be worth it in the end. Some of them are not going to be worth it in the end. Yeah. And there's not like this one answer for all things, but we can all look at our scenarios and make those adjustments and um, thankfully, we have a God who is so full of grace. He Amen. says, my grace is sufficient for you. So don't think that where you're at today is it's it's over. You know, God's grace will come. Make the right choices. And let's see God pull you through uh, to the other side for sure. Right. Amen. Tony, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank that you, was man. fantastic. I enjoyed the conversation with you. I always love spending time with you. And uh, for those of you listening, wherever you are today, just know you're in our thoughts and prayers today. If there's anything we can ever do for you as a ministry, as a church, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. We'd love to come alongside of you, pray with you, help you uh, in whatever way we can. We look forward to our conversational podcast next month. Until then, have a great day. Adios.